on the fence of the pest, poking out at the cons, renaissance fest, watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboys! It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, a man who doesn't realize that Lon is not actually here, and he's only talking to himself, Derek McCaw. Yeah, well, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Lon is on special <laughs> assignment tonight, uh, and we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast. Just the two of us. It's true because we have four chairs set up, four microphones set up, and yet only two of us are here. So it's it's uh, not just Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. It's also Moral Compass podcast producer. Rick Brett Snyder. That's right. It's the lull before Christmas. Well, and all through the show. It's a week and a half before Christmas. It's, 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 it's a big day in comics. Yeah, it is a huge day. And where would you get those comics? At Elusive Comics and Games, 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 104, Santa Clara, California. And before we go any further, we'd like to have a moment of silence for Jason Salazar, who uh, turned another year That's older right. today. Another year closer to on, death. On December 14th. I don't know what year he was actually born. I'm not actually I, sure how old Jason is. I think he's about 75. You think? Yeah. He just talks like he is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so happy birthday, Jason. Now you're really sorry that you asked he for that shout-out, that special out, menu of Denny's. Oh, I'm sure he does. The the gruel menu? The, no, no, the one on the back. It's the the uh, of the seniors? Yeah, yeah the senior yeah, menu. Yeah, yeah. But, man, like, it's like a dime for coffee. Nothing Isn't that's it? hard fantastic. to chew. No, nothing at all. No, no. Like this intro, uh, so uh, we got some comics news, we got some movie news, we got some TV news, and let me say, I'm going to show for that gift guide. My lord, is that that bacon flavored popcorn is so good, and I'm so sorry that I did not pop a bag for you. Uh well, yeah. I, I ordered some on the basis All right, of good. your uh, uh, it recommendation. Is, it is, it's good. Yeah, and uh, where can I get that? Or where can I find uh, yeah, at, at fanboyplanet.com on the index page? There it is. Uh, just bacon dot flavored dot popcorn. <coughs> Follow that link and go go go. Order. Is there a brand name for that? Is it like an Orville Redenbacher knockoff? It's like or? Robin Dave's, I think. Rob Robin and Dave's. Dave's. They also are the ones. I think they make the bacon flavored syrup. Okay. Uh, and there's some other bacon product they do, and it's all a bacon flavoring. No, although. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, somebody on Facebook posted today uh, bacon wrapped Twinkies, and I thought so wrong, and yet Deep fried, and yet. It, it makes a horrible kind of sense that says, I'm willing to die for this dish. Yes. But we don't normally talk about food, uh, but obviously because of, <laughs> uh, because we're fanboys, bacon and cheese are probably pretty much obvious givens that that's what we're going to do. So, uh, let's talk about comics. And uh, it's been a busy week for me, so I, I turned over um, some uh, review copies over to you. Yeah. Uh, so Rick has gone and cold into several from a from a publisher we love, but we haven't we don't talk about much, which is Image Comics. Yeah. So it's because we miss Joe Keating so much, and Joe's not no longer there. He's writing comics on his own, some for Image. Um, but uh, so what did you what did you pick up this week? Well, I, I focused on the ones that were either first issue or one shot kind of things because I didn't want to read like sixty eight of the Darkness because I've never read the Darkness. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, so I started with two that came out this this week. Uh, the first was uh, Jungle, 68 Jungle Gym, which I had no idea what this book was going into it. Right. Uh, on the cover, it's obviously some kind of guy in a in a helmet, looks like Vietnam era with a gas mask. And, and it's also 68 is in 1968. That's pretty clear from the cover. Yeah, so. well, it, it was eventually. I don't know if it was actually totally clear to me when I was reading it. Okay. And when I saw Vietnam War, I'm going, yeah, 60, okay. that's where it came from. Yeah. Um, but it, it's an intriguing story be, uh, of this this jungle gym character, or at least you think that at the beginning. I'm not going to no spoilers here. But is it any relation to Alex Raymond's classic comic strip character, Jungle Gym? I do not believe so. Because okay. it's a it's a uh, it's a U.S. soldier who's um, all right. Just make it sure. I I won't. I'm not going to go into the plot. But what I will say is, I was intrigued by the story when I just 
was thinking this is a, a Vietnam story about this soldier going in and trying to free some uh, so American captives. Your tone implies it isn't just a Vietnam story. All of a sudden, there were zombies there, and apparently, the '68 line is a series of one-shot stories, all happening in 1968, about the same time uh, George Romero came out with *Night of the Living Dead*. Right, and. There are zombies. There's a zombie infestation going on in 1968. And I found, uh, looking back in the back shelves, there were two prior one-shots that uh, I'm going to pick up on. But um, like I said, how can you endorse something better than to say, I was reading a story, I was really engrossed in it, uh, and and all of a sudden there were zombies, and it just kind of got, wow. So... Uh, I, I'm endorsing this one, especially since it's one shots. You know, they're all self-contained stories, and we don't. You can't pick up enough. There aren't enough books out there where you can just say, "Here, just everything pick this up and enjoy." Pick it. it up. It's all all self-contained. You you end up with a, the end of a story, or you can read more of these things and learn more about the world that it's yeah. in. But it's all one shots. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So the other one that I read, and uh, with Christmas approaching, we we will have the. I think didn't we already have the DC Christmas thing came out in November or something? Like the that? DC Christmas special, holiday special? Yeah, I no, think so. I, I, we may have, and I haven't picked up one of those. I'm in not a while, sure. I'm sorry if, to if say, Marvel or DC did it, or I don't think DC did one this year because everything's up in the air with the new Fifty Two. Like yeah. we didn't want to. So I, and maybe and maybe I read one from 2010. That may have happened, um, but uh, it's been known to. It's been known to. Um, but I picked up uh, Paul Dini's uh, Jingle Bell. Which Love is, that character. Uh, recurring character, a daughter of Santa Claus yes. and Mrs. Claus. I've yes. never read any of the stories before. Again, I'll assume Mrs. Claus is involved. I, yeah. Uh, uh, again, it's one shot. This one has uh, Krampus in it, who, who apparently is also I, a recurring character. I, I Well, I've read some of the Jingle Bell one yeah. shots before, and I enjoy the character, and... I'm going to say I love I love the concept of the Krampus. Yeah. To me, one of the funniest things in world <coughs> mythology ever. So, uh, yeah. and I, in fact, in PvP Online uh, last week, uh, Scratch Fury was given the gift of being the Krampus for, for mm. Christmas, which was awesome. Yeah. He said if he'd known that that was... That was a possibility. He would never have killed Santa in the first place. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And... It's really funny. I just love the Krampus, and that was also the creepiest costume I saw at San Diego this yeah, year. Yeah, there were pictures. There were pictures yeah. on on the side of, yeah. of Krampus that I yes. shot. I wish I could have gotten closer. That was a great costume. No, he would have carried you off into the woods and beaten you with a switch. Uh, I would. I deserve it. Uh, yes, okay. probably. You seem so moral. So, if you don't know what we're talking about, what a Krampus is, it's a German. Uh, Christmas tradition that bad children get carried away by this demonic beast, kind of goat-headed, scaly-skinned, and to uh, and they cloven-hoofed, and, and depending on on, on how Germanic you want to get, uh, the Krampus either takes them back to his cave in the woods and eats them, or just beats them severely and then returns them for a chance at redemption. Yeah. Um, I like way, the redemption part. No. I, either way, I'm, I'm reminded. Have you seen the Venture Brothers holiday special? Yes, I did. Where the so Krampus breaks Krampus, in. Yeah. Every time I watch that, I laugh just as hard <laughs> every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so guys, uh, yeah, it didn't credit. Uh, I forgot to credit on the '68 uh, uh, Jungle Jim story. That was uh, the story by Mark Cadell, who who is probably, I guess, he's the guy running the, the whole storyline there. And uh, Nate Van Dyke, who did the very nice uh, period art. Um, oh, okay, cool. And then, of course, uh, Paul Dini's story is uh, illustrated by Stephanie Gladden. Um, so then, that's that's what came out this week, and you can pick those up uh, right now at your local friendly neighborhood comic shop. Come to Elusive two seventy five Belkin and Real Suite one hundred four Santa Clara. Now let's look into the future. Oh wow! So next week um, we've got activity the activity number one by Nathan Edmondson. And art by Mitch Ger- Gerards, and this um, this looks to be like an espionage team uh, in the vein of like a Mission Impossible storyline, and uh-huh. uh, it really looked uh, it looked like we're going to have a semi, um, maybe a rotating people die or move in and out, and so yeah. you, but they, there's a definitely a, there was a definitely a core team in this, and 
they get their they get their mission, they go out and accomplish it, and then there's you know things happen that aren't expected, and uh-huh. um, really really pretty solid. If, if if you're looking for that kind of story, it it looks like it's made. It's uh, look like it can fit into an area that doesn't have much coverage in in comics. I mentioned the uh, Cold War one last week, yeah. Um, but this this looks more it was very cinematic, very uh, very uh, paced like a like a Mission Impossible episode on TV or a movie. So. Uh, okay. That was that was pretty good, and then uh, not not as excited about the um, the infinite, which is a uh, graphic novel collection of normally loved Robert Kirkman, but uh, illustrated by Rob Le- Liefeld, and ah yes, I recall this coming. Yes, this is it's a it's a start in the future where somebody invented a time travel belt and went back in time and or I'm not quite sure which way they went in time and eventually conquered the world um, and then somebody steals the belt and goes back into his past and teams up with a young version of himself to try and prevent the future that caused him to go back um, it I thought that was your life story that um, this was uh, it it looks like, smells like, and you know, actually it did taste a little like cable all, all the way through. And Liefeld uh, invented the cable look, yes. and that's basically where he's stuck. And I can't – this uh, collects the first four issues of that. Um, not a lot to recommend it in there. It's it's uh, kind of a flat story. and um, Yeah, unless you really love, love Ralph, Ralph. Rob Liefeld, Rob Liefeld. and a lot of people do. Yeah, so so I, I won't try and talk you out of that. You're probably um, you're already there. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And even further into the future, two weeks from today, wow, we will have uh, Elephant Men collected, Volume Zero. So what goes into Volume Zero? Volume Zero is a collection of all the chronologically early stories that happened basically during the war, where the Elephant Men were invented to fight. Right, okay. And so this this collects from Elephant Men, uh, War Toys, War Toys, uh, Yvonne, or uh, woman's name, I can't remember what, what it is now. I, I think it's Yvonne. I think, I, it's been a while since I've read War Toys. But. And, I'm, boy, you know, I've bought all those volumes so far. I'm definitely going to buy this one. Uh, Elephant Men is just a an amazing collection of short uh, stories and great art. The art is inconsistently great. Um, I my favorite combinations are uh, when you get um, oh what's his name Axel Medellin and mm-hmm. Ladron um, Jose Ladron yes it, it just it just when they get together um, when they get together it looks like somebody took Rich Corbin and and yeah. Mobius and just shoved them together and you just get this wonderful amalgam of future drawing. And very organic-looking things. So, and great story. Um, we have Michael uh, Goodson. He's actually putting on the headphones. So we can say Michael Goodson oh, walked it. in here. So good because we he, he sensed a void at our table. <clears throat> well, I'm here to fill your voids. I have a birthday Ouch. present for you in my trunk. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but but I'm never sure who can ever show up. So I've just had it in the trunk. Right. Hopefully, it's uh, still intact. Oh. What are we discussing, John? We're discussing, discussing comics of the future. So I'm, I'm going to finish up. Uh, so, um, yeah. Actually, this is, this is a good time for you to come in because I, the, one of the things on my list, I think I just want to see your reaction. Okay, so Elephant Men, um, it's 314 pages. And about the last 50 pages of that is all production sketches mm-hmm. and stuff. It's just a lot of fun to go through and all the covers. So Yeah, you know, not every book... Uh, <laughs> Like is worthy to me of those of that kind of stuff, but Elephant Man really is because it's such a, a richly envisioned world. And you know, if you are new to the podcast, you can go back. I don't know how many episodes, but we interviewed creator Richard Probably Starkings about five episodes about back. five episodes ago. Love Richard, and uh, just great to talk to him. And you know, it, it, it's always gratifying when a creator uh, is as cool. In it's, real life, it's 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 <laughs> truly unique in that you have these animal-based characters that have such rich and unique personalities, and then he 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 gets them into these noir yeah. noirish environments, and it yeah. just all works. It's, it's going like a, it should never work. It's like vanilla ice cream and I, bacon. 
no, that works. Stop taunting me with that. <laughs> and that works. I don't know yet that for sure, but I'm pretty sure. Apparently, popcorn and bacon go together. Yeah. Very well. That's what I've learned. Yeah, yeah. we've already shilled that on the right. podcast, but yes. Have, have you bought one? Are we getting a commission? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. Are you in with big bacon? No. Here's what happened. A coworker gave me a box of it, and I popped it, and we and we shared it. I said, you know, because we have this bacon, recurring bacon joke, and that's why she bought it for me, and it was awesome. And so I went, oh, Amazon has it. Wow, I'll just make a link. You know, so that's <laughs> there you, know. you go. I am not tempted by that in any way, shape, or form. Well, that's okay. More for me. Because you're like a Buddhist monk in your diet. I know that. Sure. So yeah. Got one more book from the future. Uh-oh. This is the Madman 20th Anniversary ah, Monster. I want to take a look at that. So, you have a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I, I have to admit I didn't read all the way through this. It was uh, 265 pages. Um, and you know, a lot of the Elephant Man and stuff I'd already read too, yeah. so that went fast. Um, but – Alred, for people who don't know, Mike he, Alred, he does it all. I mean, story and art, and his, his it's it's. If you want ecstatic sex force, yeah, yeah, it's ecstatic, probably his, his yeah, biggest best, mainstream best ecstatic sex force, yeah. Um, but uh, Madman's been around a lot longer than his efforts on either of those. Well, twentieth anniversary, therefore twenty years, and he's kind of like indie comics for people who are too uh, haven't gone indie because it's it's. There's there's a strange consistency and inconsistency in storyline and art and uh, the characterization and what's going on. Um, let's see what did I write? Uh, not for the faint-hearted, uh, but it's not. It's it's typically fun stuff. Uh, this volume, uh, it, I mean, it jumps around stylistically, thematically, and mechanically. The layout is always uh, always inventive and strange, or retro and reminiscent of the comics yeah. we read as kids. No, I know. It's, it's a unique art style. It, but, but listen to this. There, the last um, 200 of the 265 pages, so there's 65 pages of stories, which, are, which actually are like 30 stories because they're typically two or three pages long. And then the last 200 pages are all guest artwork from the likes of Brian Bolin, Sergio Agronas, Art Adams, Tim Bradstreet, just all the way through this last book of, of single-page uh, galleries and covers. 200 and pages of galleries, 65 pages of story. It's an amazing, amazing book. I don't know Did what... Did you catch a cover price on that? No, because... I didn't catch a cover price on it. <laughs> I, 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 I I'm think, intrigued. I think it's a try-before-you-buy kind of thing. You definitely want to, if it's shrink-wrapped, you want to see if, it, if it's what it. you want. Yeah. Um, but it's still pretty amazing stuff to look through. I, it's gonna if it's if it's too expensive, um, yeah. I, I I couldn't endorse it, but if you liked Madman before, you're probably gonna go for it. Yeah, yeah. All so, right. So that's our peak into the future. Yeah, it is our peak into the future, and uh, I was gonna say something that, that is kind of the past that has come out today uh, is the, uh, and this is what I wanted you to just look at over there the hardcover collecting the new Fifty Two, all the first issues. It's like three and a half inches wide. Okay. Thick. Yeah. Yeah. Three and a half inches. It looks thick. like it looks like an oversized box of breakfast cereal on the shelf. Mmm. And it's it's about as good for you as a bowl of <laughs> cocoa puffs, too. You're saying if I wanted to catch up? No. Um, no. No. It's the first issue of every one of the fifty-two. Fifty-two first issues. No complete stories anywhere. Oh, that sounds okay. Now, how much would you pay? Nothing. $150, you say? No! DC said so. <laughs> Weighs eight pounds. Not half that price. <laughs> eight pounds? That's right. It's the, it's the weight of a human head. Why? I, I, what is the goal? I, I, I don't, why are you talking like a teenage girl? <laughs> <laughs> By adding a question mark to the end of every one of your sentences? What is the goal? Still question mark. Make, go up, though. Well, that, was a lot for, that was a lot more forceful. <laughs> it's to make a lot of money. Yeah. I think they're not going to do that. No. I don't. I, I, I'm curious times. to how many copies Elusive ordered and how many they sold. I hope that's it. I think it was just one, and it's, that one is still it's on the shelf. One smoldering tone. up the shelf. The shelf is <laughs> bowing underneath it. Uh, so, you know, yeah. I mean, it's not to rag on DC because some of the new 52 relaunches have been really good. I just don't. 
feel like, wow, I would want to commit to, hey, I made 150 bucks and I still got Men of War number one. And, uh, <laughs> yay. Yay. And Green Arrow, which Hawk was. Hawk and Dove. Hawk and. Ah! I, there should be like a $10 rebate with that one. Was the whole reboot worth it? The whole reboot? I mean, as, as a whole, was this a successful. I was thing? Just, there was a customer in earlier. Look back years from now and go. Yeah. Oh, that was the day that the. It's sort of like the Spider-Man 9/11 tribute issue. Yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> no. There was a customer in earlier who who recognized that we were doing the podcast, and he's a, a listener. I, I, he and he said, "So what's the what's the end result on the new 52? You think that it's it's a good thing or bad thing?" And I said, "Well, what do you think? How many of how many books are you reading?" And he's actually reduced the number of books that he's been reading lately and and could only find more bad things to say about it than good on the other hand for me um i'm probably reading more dc than i was before but i'm not sure how long those are going to stay i'm kind of trying to get through the first storylines in a couple of well, books you and know and, and some of those relaunches i still feel are like yeah it's an interesting idea that's a miniseries yeah like as much as i enjoy demon knights i was going to go to demon great knights elsewhere yeah, yeah, the Demon Knights is a book that's like, okay, so give me that six-issue miniseries. Exactly. And then if it sold well, okay, give me another story when you have another story. Yep. Um, and, you know, and I, I still, I'm digging Frankenstein. I'm, I'm digging Animal Man and Swamp Thing. I, and I, I'm liking Swamp Thing a lot more than I thought I would because it's not... This last issue, did you read the latest issue? I haven't yet. The latest issue actually kind of makes it, I'm going, now they've got a story going. But it took three issues to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Um, the the uh, I, I just don't know with, with the smaller page count. By only one, by only one page, though. Well, page. you know, it's it's. Not, I am it's not really feeling. I am not a few. Yeah, a few books. I have felt like I like things are, are rushing or truncated, and I, that I was a little unsatisfied. But the ones that I really enjoy, I have not felt ripped off by the. By the lower page count. No. Okay. You know, so um, you know, it, it's not meant that every it would be everybody's cup of tea. Every book would be. You, that's just unreasonable to expect. What are we, Marvel? But um, oh, it's funny. The ones they really didn't touch that much are really still going strong. Batman and Robin. No mm-hmm. changes in that right. book at all since from the previous one. Batwoman. Just the well, same. You can tell there's also a difference story. in quality between the books that were. Um, they have a creative team that is going, we, we pitched an idea to DC. We don't really care. We just wanted to be doing a book for DC. <laughs> and the teams that were like, you know, really passionate about this. Yeah. You know, so. On that note, Shade 3 comes out this week. Yes. And, and uh, actually, the last, the last issue of, oh, what was it? Um, oh, the silence is staggering. I sent you mail about it. There's a crossover brewing between Shade uh, Frankenstein Agent in of Shade, shade and, and it's another oh Omac Omac okay so Omac uh, is the next issue of uh, this issue of Omac is crossing over to the next issue of Shade okay uh, which interesting I, that's the first for the since the reboot that they've had an actual issue they had characters show up in other ones notably well the Justice League doesn't really count but uh, they had uh, uh, Ion. Uh, uh, the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern show up in Voodoo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he's still Green Lantern. But he's still he's not uh, he's not Iron. He's not he's not the Green Lantern from the Green Lantern book and the Green. Lantern but they've book established that they all still exist. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Kyle's been in. He's in the one where all the rings are right. There, right, the new Guardian. But I was so. talking about an actual book crossover, a story yeah. connected from one to the other, which yeah. they they haven't done. Well, and with that, I'd say yeah. Voodoo is like one that suddenly I went when they brought Kyle in, and then realized I I thought I knew what they were going with with that character. Yeah. With voodoo, and then realize, no, I don't, and that. Thank you for that little surprise and a twist that I suddenly haven't do not get right. what's going on, but in a good way. And I want to see if the, that voodoo character, the, those aliens, are connected to the stuff that's happening in Grifter too, ah. which I'm not sure if it is. That was my question. Okay. <clears throat> I just looked over and saw uh, Grifter and Green Arrow in the same issue of the same comic. When did right. that happen? When did? The Wild Storm universe is that who? Uh, yeah, they they've been they were absorbed in um, <coughs> three or four years ago. 
yeah. but off and on, it was it was uncomfortable. Like Captain Adam had gone into the Wildstorm universe, and that was an excuse to kind of like start pulling them in. And then uh, Wildstorm was retired. They basically shut it down last summer and said that's you know they're not gonna will. They were already brewing this new 52 idea, and um, they kind of just said, well, that's it. You know, We're not going to continue these series. We'll, when we have a good idea for them, we'll, yeah. we'll bring them back, and this is the idea that it's all one universe now. They've done a couple of things. Superman crossed over with Mr. Um, Majestic. Majestic, But that, yeah. was while, that was back when Michael was still reading comics yeah. on a regular, fairly regular basis. But that was, that was after the, the, two, the two had combined universes. No. It no, wasn't? they they switched places. Superman was stuck in the Wildstorm, and yeah. Majestic was it was stuck on Earth on the okay. DC but they Earth. were just they were both owned by Warner or DC. Yeah, yeah. I have one more question about comic book universes. CrossGen. What's the uh, latest news on the revival of CrossGen? Uh, Stagnant. It, it, it's still rumor. Marvel only. promises that um, Route Six Six Six, which, if I recall correctly, was one of your favorites as well. Yes. Um, that there is a miniseries coming of that. Okay. Um, ruse. There's ruse, which I I don't think they've collected into trade yet, but they did. Uh-huh. They did do a four issue ruse miniseries, was which was really good. One. Yes, yeah, that was Sherlock really good. Holmes, that was really good. Punky one. Um, what was that? They did Mystic, and I had didn't pick up Mystic. I did, and they did Sigil, but Sigil was very different than what it was before. Yeah, and there's another one. So they're they're going to bring them back as miniseries and see. Um, test the waters, and which test is the a waters good thing to do. One. Yeah, right. that's that's fine. And it, at least I'd say, even if I haven't responded well, like, I didn't think this, the sigil wasn't bad. It was just like, oh, I wasn't really that big a fan of sigil in the first place. This one didn't spark to me. But Ruse was great. Uh, that revival was great. And I'm looking forward to Route 666. Uh, so I'm hoping that goes well. well. Sigil was sort of one of the cornerstones of the cross, of cross gen. Yes. Yeah. And, and they resolved, I mean, they tried to resolve a lot of that. Interplanetary, yeah, yeah. universe conflict, and I don't, yeah, yeah. This don't thing revamped it with a teenage kid, and it was like, and it, it oh, I'm missing over, classes. It crossed like, over to El Cazador and tried to, like, kind of. I wouldn't say the weaker concepts, but the concepts that didn't really go anywhere the first time around. They sort of tied into her, and she, but it wasn't weaker. It was just like El Cazador came that. out. Came well, no, like El Cazador came out near the end of CrossGen when it when it just collapsed. So. You can't say that it was that CrossGen, that their concepts were bad. It's that they just went, they reached too far too fast. And, yeah. you know, that was just, it was just, it was a toilet. You know, they couldn't, couldn't afford to pay people. And, you know, that's what happened. And then Disney picked up everything for a Badazad. And then that didn't do well when they tried to revive it. Yeah. And, right, well, keep me posted. I'll try. I'll try. So, um, and then we noticed that uh, Airboy, uh, we just said Moonstones. Do you want to talk about that Airboy, which was. Oh, this Airboy presents uh, Vixens, Air Vixens or something uh, we, like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, what's it, Valkyrie, and, yeah. uh, and she had the Air Vixens, I think. Right. Um, so, Great World War II, um, vaguely superheroic action. Vaguely. Yeah, it's more, it's, it's more pulpy. Uh, you know, it's air air fiction, which was really popular back in the pulp magazine stuff. You had G eight and his flying aces. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Airboy was one that oh, yeah. we were talking about before. It had a rebirth. Uh, Tim Truman brought it back out in the eighties. Yeah, and Chuck Dixon wrote wrote as well, and from Eclipse Comics, right? And uh, very nicely nicely drawn and storied. Um, and this is Moonstone, and you were saying something about they may have some kind of interesting. Rights. Well, Moonstone is gone back into. They're the ones that did like Honey West when we interviewed uh, uh, Trina, Trina, Robbins, Trina Robbins, and she was working on that Honey West book. Um, that they've gone. They're, they're taking a lot of those characters. They're the ones that are doing the. They did the Doc Savage short story, right? Uh, Pro short story. They had the Phantom. They had uh, Justice Incorporated. So the event. Richard Henry Benson, the Avenger. Um, they're taking a lot of old pulp heroes. And a lot of old comic strip and TV properties that are kind of like out, and they're also doing Captain Action. They're yeah. sort of out there in the public domain, sixties nostalgia, bringing them forward. But the way they've licensed it is it either they're doing public domain, which I think Airboy Airboy is a public domain Possibly, now, yeah. um, and they're either doing that or they're doing licenses where they're not exclusive. So like they were doing the Phantom, and I don't. 
think they were doing poorly with the fandom. They don't have great distribution. You know, I mean, they're they're a company that's more like, oh, you always see their books on the stand, but I don't really know anybody who goes, oh my god, Where's this that? was such an earth shattering issue of Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Didn't they do the Phantom too? Yeah, well, as yeah. I say, they did the Phantom, but but Dynamite did the Phantom, so they had signed this yeah. non-exclusive. So the Dynamite version of the Phantom is selling really well, and Moonstone's just sort of like, what? You, you've got the Phantom too? Yeah. So, and everybody's, Dynamite has the has the weight, because they've got the Lone Ranger revival, they've got uh, the boys, um, and apparently, and I need to go back, I, I read a review about, um, they just relaunched Flash Gordon, yeah. with Alex Go- uh, Alex Ross guiding it, and it's a combination. Last week was the first issue, I think. And it's at, last week was the first issue, and it, I think it's called Zeitgeist, yep. and it's um, combining all the best things, still putting it back in the 30s, Flash is a polo player again, like he originally was, but beginning with the opening of the movie. Yeah. With Clytus and putting the you know all the things that made each version good or, or memorable. I'm not necessarily going to go good because people don't agree with me on Flash Gordon the movie. Don't start a controversy, Derek. Oh no no no! I'm don't just I'm up. just saying that you know I love the Flash Gordon movie with Queen soundtrack sure. and um, and so does Alex Ross. Yes, and so it's kind of combining all those things together. Yeah. And I'm hearing no, I, great things about that, so I, I got to go back and pick it up. I need to go. I I, I had the. And same it was only a dollar. Yeah. So when we finish this podcast, can we go over to the shelf and see if we they should have them? go. And we'll fight over the last issue. Dang it! Um, but getting back to Airboy, Agent Treasury always beats youth and skill. The other thing, I. I huh. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, unless the unless age is senile. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, Airboy, and I was remembering that in the '80s they brought the heap. Which really, yes. I think, was the that is the root character for things like Swamp Thing, Man Thing, yes, um, uh, the thing, heap, thing, 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 ting, ting, no, fan, fan, um, was sorry, was, was in Airboy in the eighties, and and it was in the forties too. It was in the forties. It, it was connected. And I had, I remember, I had a heap comic in the sixties, maybe early seventies. Yeah, somebody tried. Somebody like revived. Tower? Did yeah, Tower, I think Tower revived it. Okay, yeah. And it had an origin story. Baron von Immelmann. It was yeah. a, he was a World War One who uh, goes German down into pilot. a tank of sewage or yeah. industrial waste yes. or something, and yeah, comes out as the heap. Yes, and yeah. one of my favorite um, Mad Magazine parodies in the fifties was the, exactly. the inner sanct the outer sanctum uh, parody, which actually combined so did the inner sanctum and the heap. Yep. And uh, imagine my surprise when it turned out the heap was a real character, which yep. was. What- was great. I was like, what? I just thought that was a funny story in the 50s. Wow. So, yep. Yeah. Cool. And he had a toy plane. That was the weird like, yes. He carried a toy plane in, yes. in his garbage, like, with him. Well, I so. think the Heap had one, too. No, that's just it. The, the Heap, the, the actual heap, one yeah, did, yeah. because it reminded him. It was the only link to, to who he what he had been in life. Yeah. So it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of a clever, you know. Yeah. The 40s had some really whacked out concepts. Yep. Let's give them their due. Uh, let's turn to movies now, shall we? We should. Uh, it turns out last week we talked about how the new director on Thor 2, the woman, uh, who had directed Monster, uh, yeah. and I'm sorry that I'm not remembering, she had amicably left over creative differences. The Hollywood Reporter reports today that no, uh, she was forced out and Natalie Portman is ticked because she had asked Marvel, had suggested this woman, and uh, I feel terrible for not knowing, remembering her name, but I just kind of jotted these notes down in a hurry. Um, and... So apparently it's like, yes, they, Marvel has said, uh, well, you are under contract, but, uh, you know, just, uh, that uh, we'll let you in on the meetings for who we do select as the uh, – uh. and the thing is like the one – the. almost all the candidates they're looking for are people that have either directed episodes of Game of, Game of Thrones or – uh, True Blood, and it's not—it's bad necessarily. It's just kind of you went from Kenneth Branagh, yeah, sure. Uh, Patty Jenkins, that's her name. Patty ah, Jenkins, okay. this director, Patty Jenkins, and it was kind of exciting to say, oh, a woman's going to uh, handle a, a superhero franchise. Which I mean, that's not to be dismissive to women. It's just that Hollywood has traditionally treated them poorly, you know, like the and so can't she do explosions? Can't she do explosions? But Thor shouldn't have explosions. It should have oh, sure he long should. hair and rippling biceps. Uh, Dents with hammers. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of weird that that's uh, going on. And Maybe his hammer could explode. Exploding hammer. Exploding That'd hammer. be awesome. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. <laughs> 
So uh, that was for Jeff Kramer, who doesn't listen to this podcast. Was, uh, that was a <laughs> coded message to your Nazi sub off. What? No, no. <laughs> I will now play those endearing young charms. So, uh, and then the G.I. Joe uh, retaliation <laughs> trailer came out this week. And I say that with excitement because, because after considering G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra one of the worst films I have ever seen. Suffered through. Two and a half minutes of that trailer made me go, Oh my God. I might want to buy a Snake Eyes action figure. I don't know <laughs> if I want to watch the movie, but I want to buy a Snake Eyes action figure. Don't be a sucker for a trailer. I am Come totally on. a sucker for the trailer. You know that. Justin said the cool thing about G.I. Joe is that the the black ninja is the good guy and the white ninja is the bad guy. Excuse me, Justin, Storm Shadow. Okay, even I know that. Okay. All right. Durr. Durr. Uh, <laughs> And the thing I, you know, and it, what was controversial is that, of course, they say, I know a guy, and Bruce Willis shows up. Oh, that was awesome. And if I'm right about what I read initially, is Bruce Willis is like the 12-inch original G.I. Joe. Like, he's supposed to be oh my God. the guy who was the first one to be called G.I. Joe. Oh, my God. Like, in the 60s, and I'm... It is the greatest line ever. <laughs> and if they would Are just... Are you Okay. My cholesterol is a little high. <laughs> no, just, if if that's true, if they just really just go over into the toy roots in a clever way instead of making the special effects look like there were children we airbrushed out of the picture as they were making these planes fly, <laughs> um, you know, uh, in the special effects, then I'm, I'm sold. But yeah. of course, Dwayne Johnson, despite the fact that he's in so few actually good movies, I still watch Did them he and bulk go up. I think he's back he to being. Like I think he's. I think he's had to bulk back up because he's back in the WWE, isn't he? Uh, I don't know. I think he was going back in to do some wrestling. I'm okay. out, man. I know you're out, but we'll draw you back in. I just looked. We at need it. Chris Garcia. Wow, that's a phrase I <laughs> I rarely utter we out loud. Chris Garcia. Garcia. We need. Oh, oh God! Oh God! Uh, uh, Beetlejuice! Beetlejuice! Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think he went back because yeah, they had to bulk back up because he had slimmed down. Yeah, for, for to the, be the uh, movie star, and then uh, I think he went back to wrestling. Role. Yeah, oh, for the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, no, I didn't recognize him at first because he was just so. I mean, his his shoulders go right up into his head. There's no neck. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm even willing to enjoy perhaps the performance of Channing Tatum, only because and this is a weird thing that Channing Tatum al- almost made. Endeared himself to me because I saw the Twenty One Jump Street trailer. Yeah, that he's in with uh, uh, <coughs> the guy that just lost a lot of weight, the comedian that does uh, Alan Gregory. Um, boy, I'm like mm. blanking on names. There's just in the sitter that I saw last Carlos week. Carlos Mencia. No, <laughs> uh, but thank you. Nice try. Uh, no, somebody right now, like probably Lawn, is listening to this screaming the name of the actual comedian. And why am I just? It was in Super Bad. What is it? Um, Seth ah, Rogen. No, he wrote it. Don't be. Helpful. Uh, no. Anyway, uh, this is embarrassing. Yeah. But if, if you would kindly... Uh, this Im- is your job on the podcast. Imitate my voice and insert it later. Uh, the actual name. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the 21 Jump Street is kind of a comedy, and Channing Tatum actually looks like, oh, it's kind of funny doing that. Uh, you know, so maybe... No, the actors look good. And, and Jonah those, Hill. That's it. Those stunts... Those stunts at the Thank end. You. At the end, though, edit out all that fumbling the- and just dub in him saying it, saying yeah, the name. I was there. Great. Um, the 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 ninjas on the side of the mountain. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The, this movie could suck, but I still feel like for two and a half minutes. Thank it's you for it's like yeah. it's like buying a lottery ticket for two hours. I pretend I imagine what it would be like to be a millionaire. For two and a half minutes, I imagine what if there was a good GI Joe movie? It was nice. <laughs> well, there was one. It was the last uh, animated one they made just before the... Oh, okay. Uh, that one was really good. Okay, well... This is like buying a lottery ticket that you don't scratch. You just know. It could could be winning. It could be. It not going to scratch it. I'm not going to... Sc- just going to watch this trailer. <laughs> not going to scratch wow. it. That's it. Walking away. <laughs> all, the, the movie, it's... It's, Rats, Shrod- it's Schrodinger's movie. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it right stays now, in the box. It's a great moment, isn't it? There could be a great movie. <laughs> or it could be bad. Oh, man. Uh, and now let's talk, speaking of the could be great, could be bad, a lawn special assignment. While yeah. we're sitting here trying to remember the names of actors. You're all wondering where lawn is, right? You're all, you are. Or maybe you're not. Bill Bossert. Uh, anyway, maybe you know, wait, lawn's not there? Uh, the truth is that lawn is on special assignment tonight because I, I told him the story 
is too big to pass up. We need his opinion. Is he's right now at Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which the, that in itself the press sneak. That's probably cool, you know, because Brad Bird's directing, so that's interesting. But what makes it important tonight was that uh, that one of us will have seen the Six allegedly minutes. seen these six minutes prologue to the dark knight rises yes so which would be the sorry i just made a mess the introduction of bane so uh um, cool. I, I, lawn being the one who was like both excited and going oh i gotta trust christopher nolan but uh but it, nothing's impressing me so far i want to see because the reaction has been that um uh, and we say goodbye to Michael Goodson, just in case you wonder what happened to his voice. He's gone. See you, man. Um, like a ghost in the night. Oh, like a ghost protocol. Uh, that uh, The reaction so far has been, because apparently they, did, they had a special event in Hollywood and invited a bunch of press to see the six minutes, and people are saying, the sound mix is terrible. We can't understand Bane. And Christopher Nolan said, well, I do have some tweaking to do. But controversially, he says, I don't think people are going to understand everything Bane says. Oh, so it's going to be like Andre the Giant in uh, Princess Bride. Maybe. Maybe. Only not as clever. Or Jason Segel as Andre the Giant in Saturday Night Live. Uh, So so I want Lon's reaction, and that's why we have him out there. I'm jealous as heck, but there was no way I could get out of work in time to say, let's cancel the podcast because I can make it to San Francisco in time. I couldn't do it tonight. So... Uh, none of us could. Well, you could. That was the weird thing. But then we need you to record the podcast. So, yep. Oh, the iron. Yeah, no. that's not really irony. No, it's just sad that <laughs> we got to get it off this irony definition. I, well, it's you were the one singing Alanis Morissette earlier. Yeah. Uh, huh? Yeah. No. Just, just, just go with it. I just said it. Okay. So let's talk uh, TV. TV. Yeah, because I didn't have much movie stuff except, uh, oh, what did I say? Oh, I saw Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Oh, you saw it? I saw it Monday night. Took my and? Um, I enjoyed it. Okay. The things that I thought were most interesting about the first one felt a little lost. Like, okay. I really liked that Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in the first one was, I felt like he was a Sherlock Holmes I could see in his eyes that he was smarter than everybody in the room, and right. there was sort of a frustration and a perplexity that no one could keep up with him. Right. Um, and that's what I felt was in the performance. I think that's kind of gone. Now he's just enjoying the fact that he's the smartest one in the room. Yeah. And they didn't do so much the predictive – well, they did do the predictive, but it it When he analyzes what's going on. When he analyzes what's going on. This became more psychic. Oh. And like he would pre-see it and go, and, and then they played that with Moriarty. So Moriarty, so that's no surprise. We know that as Jed Harris, who is an actor that I would hope that this is the movie that finally says. Is people, Colonel Sebastian Moran in it? Yes, he is. Oh. Yes. Um, so is there an air gun? Yes. Oh. So um, my uh, my understanding is, I don't think that the plotting huge super closely. To the actual Conan Doyle stories, but um, definitely elements that I recognize is that okay, good. There's an acknowledgement of this, and and they're still playing off of the reality they've set from the first one. Good. So it was enjoyable. It was just they they really upped the comedy. Yeah, I, I felt watching the previews. It seems like there's a lot more almost slapsticky stuff that you know, I like, did feel that. Let's put Holmes in this awkward position because yes. then we get the juxtaposition between him being the smartest man in the room and looking like a schoolmarm. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's uh, yes. Um, it's so I felt there was a lot of that. A low. There was a lot of that. Uh, but, and part of it was that they also cast, I'm not even sure if I should say it, even though it happens early, there's a surprisingly brilliant choice for Mycroft. Okay. And uh, Seth Rogen? No, that would not be a surprise. Well, that would be surprising. <laughs> and if it turned out to be brilliant, well, okay, then I guess that would be. No, but it was, it, it's it's kind of an act that you just sort of go, I mean, he's, he's made enough. I, do you want me to? I, no, I, I no. don't want okay. you to spoil it. Okay, then I won't. But it's kind of a slap your head like, wow, that really is brilliant casting. Yeah. Ooh, I know who I would cast. Who would you cast? I'm trying, uh, Fry? Um, yes. Is that who it is? That's who it is. Okay. So, yeah, um, it's brilliant. And then they play up the comedic aspect. Yeah. But Stephen Fry is one of the few comedians that can do that and still feel like, yes, you would imagine that he takes his job deadly seriously, but he doesn't take himself deadly seriously. 
And so it's, it is it is a great casting move, and that's almost worth it. He's somebody that is just underappreciated in general. In America. In America. I mean, you, you have people who have bridged over like um, – oh, God, what's his name? Ah, Hugh guy, Laurie. Hugh Laurie. His old, his old right. partner. Right. Yeah. Um, but – Comedic partner. I'm sorry. Let me make that clear. Fry, I think, is actually a better actor, um, certainly more, to me, more interesting than Laurie ever was. But I would say that the thing with Stephen Fry is that his face is too unique, the way, the way his nose is broken. Uh-huh. Um, he does not melt into characters the way that Hugh Laurie can, because Hugh Laurie just looks sort of straight ahead good looking. And then... Yeah. and. So, I mean, yeah. because every year I have that when kids watch House, or just kids, when students are fans of House, and then I might show some old comedy sketch, a bit of Fry and Laurie, and, or Black Adder. Black I show Adder. Black Adder. Yeah, yeah. And, they go, and I froze it this year and went, yeah, that's House. And they went, oh, you know, <laughs> freaked out because, right. and, and it's a surprise. Like, when he hosts his Saturday, host Saturday Night Live, and he goes, hey, Laurie's funny. I'm like... Well, that's funny to me because <laughs> yeah. to me he always was. It was the dramatic part yeah, that like, was oh, odd. He's being dramatic. Yes. Whereas I all, early on accepted yeah. Stephen Fry as this amazing. But you know, he's also you know this is the truth about some actors. His physique is he's turning into Oscar Wilde. Yeah. A, a life goal, I suppose. You know, because he's big, he's bulky, and yeah. he's getting soft. True. And that's why he makes a great Mycroft. True. He's a he's a dare I say he's a better choice for Mycroft than Mark Gaddis is on the modern day Sherlock. Okay. And um, you know that's my that was my only disappointment in Sherlock was that they were trying to play with people's expectations <coughs> with uh, who is this guy is he Moriarty or is he Mycroft and they went with you know Mark Gaddis it's like yeah he's not Mark Gaddis is not a bad actor I like Mark Gaddis respect his talent immensely but it was like uh, that's, that's a show vision. I have to watch I've only watched the first episode of oh it. Well, well Mycroft is in that right yeah. Mark Gattis was in that yeah and that's uh, you know, that'll be the second season series will be coming back soon that's what I need to get on, on Blu-ray because I just I could watch that the, two of the three the middle one is not as great but the first and third episodes it's only three episodes long yeah. are just great so and the second one is just mediocre but probably would have seemed great if, you if there weren't the for the first, first and the yeah, third, you know, which are just so like, ah, this is brilliant, you know. So yeah, so Sherlock, Sherlock. What else? TV. You want to talk about uh, Warehouse Thirteen? Oh yeah. So Warehouse Thirteen closed its third season with, uh, well, you know, everything blowed up. No, well that happens. Um, and they uh, may have, you know, these these shows, especially the ones on the Sci-Fi Channel, especially the science fiction ones, people die all the time and come right back. Um, yeah. But uh, one of the characters that I've enjoyed, uh, I had dropped that show. I had I'd said, you know, I was middle of the second season. I said, this is going nowhere. I'm not all excited. Actually, early in the second season. Um, and then apparently some splendid stuff happened. And I caught an episode early in the third season, made me go back and catch up on some of it. And the H.G. Wells character, and the twist, of course, is that H.G. Wells is a woman, um, comes in as somebody who's been fighting uh, with the warehouse before and is now, you know, it was time. Um, mm-hmm. There's all kinds of immortality and people who live, live beyond uh, normal ages. But um, this season of Warehouse 13, um, pardon me. You went to Sanctuary, this, didn't you? I went to Sanctuary. I did because we were going to talk about Sanctuary too. Um, mm. No, but H.G. Wells is... Is in Warehouse 13. Okay. I was starting to go to Sanctuary, okay. but I didn't. I stopped. All right. All right, I pulled ahead. back from the abyss. So um, the uh, the characters, they've, they've got a real ensemble cast, and yeah. they killed off a number of the, the cast members um, that I won't for, sang- for Warehouse 13. For Warehouse 13. Okay. Um, the, uh, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good show. It is it's, one of those series like Eureka where I have felt like. Uh, the show started at a time when I didn't have time to watch anything. Yeah. And so by the time I could, I felt like... You'd missed a lot I'd of I'd missed mythos. too much, and I wanted to start You know, I want to start over. So they're kind of... Again, I joke about this retirement list. God help me to live long enough to hit this retirement list or summer vacation list and just go through these because yeah. I feel like, yeah, they're probably not like a deathless show that I'll be like Twin Peaks wanting to watch again in a decade, but fun. 
Yeah. And, man, I just want fun. It, well, that's, I just and that's where Sanctuary is. And these two shows, they came out about the same time. Yeah. Um, and Sanctuary is the one that is all shot. Um, uh, green screen. Green screen. Yeah. And, and blue uh, or red. Uh, See, and I did watch the first season of Sanctuary, but I watched it all on DVD. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's, there's a strength and weakness to powering through. Yeah. If you, if you power through like seven episodes in a day, as yes, I've done. I'm not wow. proud of it. Um, you see, it's like watching Smallville. That like must I, affect your dreams at night. A little bit. Like yeah. I've like the last two seasons of Smallville, I pretty much watched, <laughs> or eight and nine, I watched wow. like both seasons over a three day period. Yeah. And um, and that's when you start noticing the weaknesses because sure, you're like wow, this is wow. And then the but then there's the strengths. But you know, yeah. so like Sanctuary had things that I thought this is a really cool idea. Uh, I like this idea. I like that. And then there'd be a couple of episodes like, why did you do that one? And my because problem with Sanctuary have- is season one, and I've heard that season two and three got better. Sadly, because I I was so turned off, was Sanctuary season one went to too many of the things that to me are like the stereotypical every sci-fi horror monster of the week episode show does eventually. There's the one where they're trapped in the plane that's crashed in the snow. That's a great episode. And one of them is a shape changer. That is a great episode, though. I'm going to argue with you. No, it actually isn't because it makes no sense. But anyway, uh, they bring those guys back. Okay. Um, um, and then there was the warehouse. They're trapped in a warehouse with the monster, and it's like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. we've seen this. No, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. That, but they went there too soon. Second season, they really did start developing a mythos and interesting stuff. And well, they had started to in the first characters. season. And that's what held my interest. Right. Was I came back, but then I think I watched the first episode of the second season, and they did. I, they did something that ticked me off so much that I was like, uh. I'm going to come back to it in a couple of years, so I haven't yet. They do what I love in stories, which is they create these wonderful villains. And yes. the villains are so interesting and so cool. And as a writer, you must just go, oh, let me write that one again. And so they somehow find a way to um, to make them good and make them part of the team. Or they're yes. kind of part of the team, but you're not really sure if they're running their own gig yeah. behind it. Because like Tesla... Tesla. In, in Sanctuary, which is an awesome character and a, yeah, fun as heck, and and so he's he's a strong character in the lat, in the latter part of yeah. the third season as well. Um, well, so, yeah, yeah that's perfectly exactly what, what went on in Grimm. I think you and I, 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 you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but both of us having watched only the pilot of Grimm, yeah. the only thing that made that show worth watching to me was the Big Bad Wolf. Was sure. their take on the Big Bad Wolf? Sure. That actor's interesting. He's clearly a villain trying maybe to not be a villain, but maybe. And, yeah. you know, and it was like, if anything was going to make me watch another episode, it was going to be that. And then again, I got busy and went, okay. Yeah. But now I hear I do have to go see what, I do have to go back and watch Once Upon a Time because people are just like blown away talking about it. Yeah. And Bill Willingham, by the way, did give an interview where he absolved it. He said, I said, look, these guys claim they've had an idea, they had the idea for years. Um, I'm not the Who's first to one to talk yeah. about. Yeah, I'm not the first one to talk about fairy tales in the modern world. So, yeah. why not? No. So, uh, you know, I'm looking for, and apparently, Warehouse 13 is coming. They blew up the warehouse at the end, but they're going to bring it so back. Be a Warehouse 14. I don't know. Maybe they're going to build, rebuild. <laughs> they have one shelf in there. Okay, there's one item they're putting on the shelf. I know they're going to do Warehouse Stargate. Actually, there's there's a uh, there's kind of a scene where um, where Artie has a has a pocket watch and says, uh, "Well, no, maybe I've I think he's got an artifact that might be able to undo okay. some stuff." And Warehouse 13 is set in the same universe as Eureka, right? Didn't they do it a is, crossover? They've done crossovers between both of those those okay. shows. Okay, so I mean, which I love that too. So yeah. yeah, they've suckered me in. Why I have to try both those shows? They have a shared universe, and once you give me a shared universe. I'm in. And even better, um, so Eure- the happy Eureka is also in the same universe as Felicia Day. Well, and someday <laughs> we will be in the same universe as Felicia Day, who considers me a gentleman, by the way. I know. I know, but I have to say that. She was drunk. I know, but it's a great it's great street cred. Felicia Day called me a gentleman. There you go. Uh, I don't care what her <laughs> state of inebriation was. Speaking, and, and her dog's a gentleman. Too. And speaking, and if <laughs> I didn't have a dog, I, right, that makes it all. I was more. standing next to Sean Becker. Uh, so uh, Sean, 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're hoping that Sean Becker will come back this year. Because uh, next week we got our Christmas show. Yeah, actually, I don't think he'll be back in time for that, but he may be in we'll the We'll do our New Year's after. show. <laughs> he may be here for our New Year's show. So yeah. um, I, I haven't heard back from him, but I'm hoping so. It would be, okay. be awesome. Because I always enjoy having Sean on, on the podcast. Um, I love our holiday shows. They're fun. The, it's like it's like one of those old. Uh, I got a resonate. It's like one of those old holly, uh, old TV a holiday specials. You've turned, where, us, you've turned us into the Dean Martin holiday where special. People just drop by. Well, thanks for walking in. Hey, it's David Bowie. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, I just wanted to mention. Speaking of holiday, speaking of holiday shows, people dropping in is uh, DCU Online has a special Christmas event. Larflees is running through the DC universe, oh, really? and you can get tre- special treats if you see him, if if you counter him. So he- I did download, sign up, and created a, a beginning level character. So well, then we can play. We should. We play. can play. It's yeah. awesome. Um, I I I hadn't played for a couple of weeks, and then I played last uh, last weekend and went. Yee. <laughs> uh, I just I'm sorry. I just enjoy it. Um, and speaking of things I just enjoyed that are now on a hiatus, community. I think I, I've got this thing. I'm going to be pushing for that show to come back. Did you watch last week's Christmas special? I did. Which ripped into glee. Yes. So beautifully. Yes. Did you catch though my favorite moment? And I read a couple of reviews that that acknowledged the moment without realizing where it came from. Inspector Space Time. No, although yeah. that was cool. The invasion of the body snatchers shot. No. I still have it on my DVR. What? 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 Which is the last? It was getting Britta. So what? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh. Joel McHale's character goes. Uh, she, she sees him. She goes. She goes. Hey, I've escaped from them. I've escaped from them. And he turns and he goes and he points at her and he just goes ah, and sings. And it's the it's the last shot of of the seventy eight invasion of the body snatchers ah. that uh, Donald Sutherland has been taken. <laughs> and I was like. Awesome! Wow! Awesome! Because I, I just, I just borrowed, aka, stole that DVD from my brother <laughs> so that I could watch it, and I was like, so it's on my mind. And the fact that Community read my mind, but as I said, the Community thing, the Inspector Space Time thing, where they were in our heads, was yeah. the Inspector Space Time Christmas Special, the most reviled television show in history. Which, of course, is, is it's awful. We it's, bu- a, it's a play on the Star Wars Christmas yes, Special, yes, but including uh, I, I just I watched the first like ten minutes of that uh, just to check to see that yeah. I actually did have it on DVD. Um, the the credits at the beginning, and then show they they show him holding a hologram of a rock band at that time, and Jefferson Starship is on the Star Wars Christmas Special. <laughs> <laughs> it's this is the time for that fanboy confession. I I was so bitter uh in 1978 when that Star Wars holiday split or 77, Christmas 77, when that was on. Yeah. Because this was before my family had I don't think VCRs even existed. Um I had a jazz band concert. <laughs> a junior high jazz band concert. And Begged my parents. I'm just gonna. I threw my trumpet in my case. I got home in time, so the only minute I've seen of the special is the last minute. Okay. Of of. We will find some time to watch it. I actually looked at the DVD, and it's much better condition than I thought it was. Okay. It's better than any of the little snippets they have up on YouTube. So I might. Um. I might even have to uh, ask you if I can take Kid Macaw because he's young enough to not know how bad it is. Because he even enjoys Legends of the Superheroes. Let's do something right after Christmas then. <laughs> okay. I just think maybe. Uh, so, um, yeah. They did the inspect- but the, the thing that killed me and that Inspector Spacetime thing was Donald Glover so saying, bad. It's, it, that's awful. I must watch it at least twice. <laughs> Damn it. That's me. Yep. I am that guy. Oh, yep. It's like he split my psyche into three or four male characters. Oh, and and B- Baby Boomer Santa, that number with Chevy Chase. Why? Why must community be on hiatus? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to abjure Big Bang Theory if I have to, if that's what it's going to cost me in order to bring back community. <clears throat> because wow. Big, Big Bang Theory is clever. Most at people times. in Hollywood don't know what abjure means. I know this is probably why I can't make it it's in an Hollywood. Empty threat. I, <laughs> It's not. It's not. Big Bang Theory is clever. They're head-to-head on Thursday nights. That's why it's the sacrifice. Big Bang Theory is often clever, and I laugh in painful recognition. But community 
is flat out brilliant. And it's going to be like Arrested Development, people. Everybody now goes back and watches Arrested Development on DVD and says, oh, it's br- it was brilliant. Why didn't I watch it the first time around? I don't know why you didn't. <laughs> so now, trust us, Community is brilliant. Touching. It's got the, it, it. It can go into dramatic moments, and you can watch them both. But it can know? be wacky. Yeah, come on, people. Yeah. Time shift. Time shift. Yep. Like Inspector Spacetime would. Yep. All right. So, are we done? We're done. That's all I have. So, hey, if you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, something I should add on to the Family Planet website uh, from Amazon, since, since we're in California and Amazon signed a deal like with us again. And you put the Christmas list up from, uh, from I did. Uh, last I did. Episode. And I will go through this list, and if there's anything on that, I'll, I'll add to. There's a few things, like DVD-wise, I wanted to put up, and yep. you've done a thing for Farscape, and I want to get those done. Uh, and uh, so right into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Until next week, when we have Lon back to talk about Bane. We will talk about Bane. We will talk about it. Um, that uh, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brustander reminding you to use your powers only for good. It's nice to just get that out there without anybody interrupting from my right. That's fantastic. <laughs> Those were good days. Those were good days. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com.